What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Take the baseline out. Hello, everyone, and welcome uh-huh. to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you with both a migraine and my super-duper incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, ripped, shredded, yoked out of his mind because he's been working out for four to five hours a day so he can listen to his podcasts. Co-host I wish. Andy D. Bailey. How you doing, Andy? I'd be doing better if that description was a little closer to the truth. Look, all I can say is before <laughs> we hopped on, you said the only time you listen to podcasts is when you're working out, and then you proceeded to rattle off all these podcasts you've listened to in like the past 24 <laughs> hours, and that, of course, means that you've you've got to be just straight up jacked right now. You're probably just a LeBron, but more of an Adonis at this point, is my guess. Well, I'm a I'm I'm about the same weight as LeBron, but my body fat is it's got to be like quadruple at least more than that. Look, LeBron only does quarter squats, though, bro. He only does quarter squats. That yeah, was, um, that was the fun, that was one of the funniest, like stupidest things I've ever seen on Twitter. We're, I didn't I didn't see any of that. I just saw people reacting to that. People were like mad about his workout video for some reason. He did, he was doing squats and I I made the low-hanging fruit joke saying he's getting he's doing his lower back exercises so he could carry the Lakers on it next year. But they were mad because he wasn't going lower. Um, <laughs> and he was doing people call them quarter squats, they call them half squats. Now, and I'm not I, I'm not indulging this, but I know for a fact that one those squats are better for explosion, and so that would make sense for him. And two, they're also probably safer for his back um, than doing full squats. Three, it's freaking LeBron James. Like you don't get yeah. to, you don't you don't get to <laughs> criticize LeBron's physique, his physical profile. That's not something. Allowed. Yeah, something tells me he knows what he's doing. Um, before we jump into uh, some free agency slash offseason winners and losers thus far. I just want to remind, implore, beg, plead with everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We've been seeing the numbers go up. Um, We really appreciate that. I don't think you know how much it means. Uh, Andy and I will exchange basically screenshots every time there's a new review, or even if it's just, oh, a new rating popped up. Continue to take the 15 seconds out of your day. Please search Hardwood Knox on iTunes. Rate us if you are so inclined. And we hope you are. Please 
leave a review. Again, that's the best way to help the pod. You can also get us, though, basically wherever other podcasts are found, however you might listen to them, uh, whether it's Stitcher, um, Blog Talk, Spreaker, iHeartRadio. We're, we're all over the place right now with the exception of Spotify. We, we really do appreciate your support, and we always we do talk about how it's weird that people actually listen to this podcast. Before we do hop into winners, losers, winners and losers, I do have a quick anecdote. Andy, you've become something of like a cult celebrity among the three or four people who listen to us. I went to this wedding and, all, and celebrity is probably too strong a word. I went to this wedding in Albany last week, uh, last weekend, and my fiance was in it and I've met, um, I want to use his full name, but the the groom's name was Rob, and I've met him before. He's a Knicks fan. He was always a really cool guy. And then he, I always forget, he said he's listened to my podcast in um, in the past, but like, I don't, that doesn't register to me because I'm like, who the hell listens to me and Andy? Is basically just my, <laughs> so he, one of the things he said to me um, when, when we, when I first, one of the first times I talked to him, or maybe it was at the rehearsal dinner or something, he was like, hey, I have a really important question for you, though. How's Andy? And so, <laughs> So you, your well being has become something of a of of just this known commodity among the handful of people that do listen to us. And I found that I texted you immediately. I was like, people want to know how you are. <laughs> well, you're the one who obviously made that uh, famous. That's been your intro for a long time now. Yeah, but so people it's... are genuinely interested, which means that your character <laughs> must bleed out in this podcast, and people care. It's you. Who deserves the kudos on that? There's oh, no man, question we about go it. Back and forth with this fist bump all day, but I, <laughs> I found just, that. Let's do that for an hour. He's he's a great guy and one of our dozen dozen or maybe two dozen listeners. Um, but so I'll just throw it to you then. This off season's been. We were kind of just talking um, before, and you made this point really early on in free agency before we kind of hop into the winners and losers. That the byproduct of this off season would be that 2019 wouldn't be as great because of all the, the one-year deals. And I think you've you've been validated through and through on that stance. Uh, yeah, one of the rare predictions that I actually get right. <laughs> um, and the other thing, this hasn't come true to the extent that I thought it would, and maybe it will later in the summer. But I, I actually thought a few people might be squeezed out of the NBA. The only one I can think of off the top of my head was Al Jefferson who signed a deal to go play in China and he hasn't, he hasn't been like a regular rotation guy for a couple years or has it just been one year? Um, but I, I think that was still a little bit of a surprise to some people to see him go overseas. It's just, uh, the lack of cap space this year. It's a, it's a phrase we've used a ton of times over the last several weeks has certainly made its presence felt. Um, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but that kind of, takes me to one of my first losers uh <laughs> this is this may be totally out of order but i feel like the players union was kind of a loser this summer uh they were adamant about not doing the cap smoothing two years ago and at the time i i actually kind of agreed with them um i don't i don't feel like i took a hard stance one way or the other but i totally got where they were coming from they all this money was coming in they wanted it now and it was totally understandable. Uh, but the, it obviously didn't continue to spike year after year after year, like some people kind of forecasted at the time. And it was great for the guys who were free agents in 2016. I mean, <laughs> Joakim Noah, Timothy Mozgov, I think Evan Turner was that year. 
uh, Bazemore was that year. There was there were so many huge contracts. for the Alan Crabb deal, who I still like as a player, yeah. but to give Alan Crabb seventy plus million dollars, and I was I was supporting it. That was two thousand and sixteen, folks. And every like I was that way too. I remember the first few were kind of sticker shock when I saw him, but afterward I thought, well, this is just the new norm. Uh, we're going to have to get used to this level of player getting this amount of money. But fast forward two very short years later. And those those contracts are crippling teams right now, and it's really hurt subsequent free agents in this this class more than any. Um, Demarcus Cousins signed for five million a year. Uh, you already mentioned it. A bunch of guys are taking one year deals, hoping that they can get more if they come back onto the market next summer. There's some fairly big name restricted free agents who still haven't signed anything. So. 2016 was was incredible. It was like hitting the jackpot for guys who were free agents that year. But I I think in total it's probably done more harm than good uh, to the rest of the players to to have avoided the cap smoothing the way that they did. I'm with you too. I think the only thing, well, not the only thing, but in retrospect, and you can blame this on both the players' union and the league, there should have been more dialogue and just a bigger emphasis on the cap smoothing model, even if it was something different. And it's easy enough for me to sit here and say this now, two years later, because I, I kind of agreed with you uh, back then or initially that why they should have rejected the smoothing. It seems like they could have worked harder to find a middle ground. And this is both sides. This is not me placing blame on the players union and Ms. Michelle Roberts. It's not me saying the owner's, and the league and, and everyone on that side was too crazy. It just seems that something along these lines could have been anticipated within the NBA ranks. Maybe not to us initially, but it, it does seem like there could have been just, again, a bigger emphasis on let's make sure that we're not dealing with a one-year windfall that's going to bite us now for the next Three to four. I know we're talking about contracts coming off the books next year from 2016. A lot of these things don't come off the books until 2020. When mm-hmm. you look at the Mozgov deal, the Jan Mahinmi deal, the Evan Turner deal, Bazemore's deal, Harrison Barnes is going to have a player option, uh, Joakim Noah, assuming he's not stretched. So it's it, it definitely feels like there should have been some more due diligence done on that front. And it, it, it clearly it's it definitely impacted the market me what did you have a aside from demarcus cousins obviously did you have that like holy shit moment this off season when we, we both talked about how much money wouldn't be available but was there a signing that just caught you off guard guard basically making you go well, holy crap that was that was way cheaper than i ever would have imagined um i'm looking over my <clears throat> free agency tracker. I, I, I think he was the only truly stunning signing that I can remember. The, the LeBron thing was huge, obviously, just because he was going to the Lakers, but I think we kind of expected that. And obviously that one wasn't for less than we expected. I guess the surprise there is that he took four years. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't see that coming, but in terms of like directly to your question, who signed for way less than I expected, I'm not sure anybody else jumps out um james ennis did it for me the most recent one where he accepted the minimum deal from the rockets i thought he would have been a biannual guy taxpayer mid-level guy and it leads me to wonder what is wayne ellington gonna get 
who's just still floating yeah. around out there. Most people if think he doesn't go to Miami, probably. Yeah, and, but they're up against the tax. So yeah. Um, did did Bahamute sign for the minimum? Why am I blanking on that? I think he got the rest of their mid level, right? Okay, I can yeah, look really that, quick on that, but that makes more sense financially. But I that was a I don't I don't really know what the Clippers are doing this I, summer. That I like I don't I both like it and loathe it because I think they should be focusing more on the youth. But if they're gonna have Avery Bradley and Gortat and uh, Luke and Bob, Luke Bamut play and, and Gallo play, but they're still going to milk Shea Gilgis Alexander, who has looked spectacular and validated basically all of my takes before the draft for a change. Uh, and, and Jerome Robinson, if they're going to get those guys reps, that's fine with me because they have, you look at all these contracts, even Bradley's is only, I think it's like 1.5 million guaranteed or 2 million guaranteed next year. All these deals become tasty trade chips at the deadline, from their expirings to Bradley's to Lou Williams. Avery Bradley's was one that kind of surprised me in the other direction. I didn't think he would get as much as he did. Even though, like you just laid out, the second year is almost completely non-guaranteed. When I I first saw the two years and what was it, 20... uh, 5 million. 25 million, yeah. That surprised me a little bit because he had an objectively terrible year last year and yeah i think it looks like so the clippers used they paid a little bit more i like the mike scott signing by the clippers too um that that was it just seems like they're getting all these guys that are gonna help them get to like 10th place in the west yeah that that's certainly damaging Uh, if and i would i would just much rather bottom out if you're gonna if you're gonna move on from deandre jordan there will be time to bottom out in the west though to make up that ground if it you get closer to the trade deadline and see that this isn't working, but their signings, their roster in a vacuum is weird, but I, I like a lot of these moves individually. It just, I, I don't know why. And just for a bomb move, they used, I think it was 2.5 million on Mike Scott of their mid-level. And then I believe they used another chunk of it to sign uh, Bob Moot. And he that was a guy sense. I thought Houston probably should have kept. But yeah, I was going to say him not going back to Houston was kind of weird. If you could have signed Ennis at the minimum and you were using part of your taxpayers to get Bob Mood, I know he basically got close to, what was it, $4.3 million or something around there. He basically got most of the taxpayers from the Clippers, but if he was going to be willing to take the, the two-year deal or something as, or as opposed to the one that they I, I don't know. I just I would have liked to have seen them keep him. Just going to get more Gerald Green minutes. But I don't even know if that was either one of uh, like the Clippers were a winner or loser for me. I just took us on a little tangent there. Yeah, we should. All right, let, we should start <laughs> as we let's throw it to you. You want to go? What do you want? Anything, winner or loser? What do you want to I'll, start with? I'll start with a, a winning team, and I am going to take the Lakers and the Warriors out of the equation for me because I think they're pretty obvious winners. Um, let's, let's say this: the, the Warriors are clear winners. The Lakers are winners by default because they they got LeBron, but they're trying their yeah. damnedest to make sure that they're not yeah. winners. Yeah, we could probably dissect everything that they did post LeBron, uh, which is objectively not great, but they they're still a clear winner to me. I've as part of my little tracker, I've got the teams that added the most wins above replacement uh, according to Five Thirty Eight's projections for next season, and the Lakers. Um, 
they have added 10 and they have lost 1.9. That's a difference of plus 8.1, which is the best this offseason. The funny thing about that, though, is LeBron himself added a projected 11.5 wins above replacement. Uh, the team only added. Mirai is Japanese for the future. And in the future, your commute will be less expensive because now you can get a special lease on a Toyota Mirai. Powered by hydrogen, it emits only water. And Toyota will cover three years worth of your fuel costs up to $15,000. You'll also get three years no-cost scheduled maintenance, HOV lane access, and may be eligible for a $5,000 state rebate. The future sounds pretty good, huh? Get your special lease on a Mirai today. See San Francisco Toyota or click the banner for details. Toyota. Let's go places. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right too by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tile starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. At 10. So <laughs> the rest of those signings took one and a half away. So that's kind of funny. But um, one and two are the Lakers and the Warriors for, for wins above replacement added this summer, which is kind of funny. The Warriors are number two. Um, the first winner I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to go with the Indiana Pacers. Their, I think their first signing out the gate was Doug McDermott which was a little bit of a head-scratcher to me, uh, both time and money. I think it was like three years, $21 million or something like that. You might have it pulled up and can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but after that, I thought they did really well. I love the Tyreek Evans signing. I think that he and Victor Oladipo should work pretty well together. Um, I think there could be some questions about ball dominance with those two on the floor together. They... I mean, Oladipo obviously had the ball a lot last season, and the same with Tyreek Evans over the course of his career. But I think they're both pretty smart players, and Evans is coming off the best season of his entire career. Um, so I, I think that's instantly one of the best backcourts in the league. I don't even know if Tyreek Evans will start, but I think those two guys will play a lot of minutes together. And Indiana's done a pretty good job, obviously, last season of rehabbing the value of some players. I mean, they turned... Uh, I mean, Victor Oladipo obviously gets a ton of credit for this, but he went from, uh, I don't even know what to call him, <laughs> in OKC, a solid starter to a legit superstar in Indiana. And Demonis Sabonis went from uh, borderline unplayable, even though he started a bunch of games for the Thunder, to, I, I think, a solid starter in Indiana. Um, so maybe they can do a little bit of that for Doug McDermott, too. And if he's if he's spotting up and hitting threes off of the Oladipo and, Tyreek Evans drives. I, I think this is a team that got not significantly better, uh, but they definitely moved the needle forward a little bit in my mind. And just the fact that they one one last thing, um, just losing Lance Stevenson, actually, <laughs> that actually helped their bottom line in terms of uh, wins above replacement added this summer as well. So they added 1.9. They lost minus 0.9. So they, they come out with a difference of plus 2.8 for the summer, which was the third best on my little chart here. Um, so they were a, a fairly clear winner to me in terms of free agency. 
Yeah, they were on my winners list as well, and, and it was clear. They'll contend for a top three spot in the East now, maybe. I know you said they're not much better, but you kind of look at the scope of the Eastern Conference now. The sure things are, are probably Boston and Philly, and even calling Philly a sure thing might go a little over the top. I, I tend to believe in them, but even if you assume that the, the, you know, the first two seeds are going to go to one uh, two of the Raptors, Celtics, and Sixers, even if you remove one of those from the equation, so much of the East is still left up for grabs. And McDermott at three years, $22 million, was an interesting signing, probably a little bit above market. It looked like they were kind of paying for years more so than than annual salary just to have him locked up. And I, I don't know. Maybe they're just really high on him too. He shot a really good percentage on catch-and-shoot three-pointers last year. They, the Pacers themselves, needed to improve their shot profile. Ditching Lance is part of that, but they also ranked first overall in long two frequency, according to Cleaning the Glass. And that shot selection is untenable if you're looking to crack mm-hmm. the upper echelon of the league scoring rank ranks. They were before the All Star break. They they were sixth in points scored per 100 possessions. After the All Star break, they were 23rd. And so these moves, Evans. McDermott, even Kyle O'Quinn, it's going to help them a bunch on the offensive end with their spacing. They should be able to get up more threes because even though they had a bunch of guys who shot the ball well from three, very few of them were just these volume guys. You had Oladipo and then maybe Bogdanovich you could throw into that tier, but Collison isn't this volume guy. Joseph isn't this volume guy. Thaddeus Young definitely isn't. McDermott is kind of modest volume, but Evans uh, averaged more than six threes per 36 minutes last year. And to get him on a one-year deal, even with that McDermott contract, the Pacers are still going to have access to have to get to $50 million in cap room next season. I, I really like their offseason. The only concern you probably have now, though, is what does their defense look like? Evans can maybe be a neutral defender on a good night. McDermott, you probably need to play him at the four for him not to really be to disadvantage. He works hard at that end, but he's not a great defender. I don't. I, I I'm just curious to see what the defense looks like uh, with with these additions. O'Quinn should be fine in the front court, but they're not. You look at the Pacers, and they're not incredibly switchy. No, and I totally spaced the uh, Kyle O'Quinn signing, and he added another one point seven wins above replacement, which brought them a little bit closer to the Warriors. Um, but I, I agree with you. Their defense isn't super switchy. And I, I remember when the O'Quinn signing happened, one of my first thoughts was, how are they going to find minutes for everybody? Because obviously Miles Turner is still there. Um, I think Damana Sabonis should probably play a lot. I, him and Victor Oladipo were really good together last season. Uh, like you said, I think Doug McDermott should play the four. Um, so suddenly you've got a little bit of a logjam there, and and obviously Kyle LeQuinn's in the equation too. So there's there's some sorting out of minutes to be done there. But I, I think just about every coaching staff and front office in the league would rather have too much talent than not enough. So they'll, I think they'll figure out the logjam, uh, you know, as well as they can, and and they they certainly got better to me. It might just be a matter of them punting on the Sabonis-Turner minutes together and just saying, hey, Sabonis yeah. is a five, and we'll kind of use O'Quinn as that third big man buffer. The Pacers were a minus 8.8 points per 100 possessions with both of them on the floor last year, percolating the glass, and their defensive rating was 
113.5. How many minutes did those two play together? 530 possessions, which is not substantial, uh, but it's not well, significant either. That's more than I thought it would be. So, but they're still, they're a clear winner. For me though, and I was, again, they were on my winner's list. A winner for me was Will Barton. And uh, he turned down a four-year, $42 million extension last summer, then signs for four years and $54 million this year. In another season, off-season, summer, whatever, that deal probably doesn't look like this expensive outlier. But listen to the deals of these five other wings, swingmen type. Trevor Ariza, one year, $15 million. Avery Bradley, two years, $25 million. Partial guarantee in the final season. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, one year, $12 million. Tyreek Evans, one year, $12 million. J.J. Redick, one year, about $13 million. Will Barton could be the best player of that bunch. To me, he's kind of like a more dynamic and explosive Evans, minus the questionable medicals. Who was giving him more than the $42 million that the Nuggets offered him last year? Especially if the Pacers were zeroing in on Doug McDermott at three years and $22 million. It felt like the Nuggets could have pressed harder, offered less, and still come out on top of the bidding process when you look at all these super short-term deals that were being handed out. You look at some of the price points like Ariza, Reddick, Caldwell Poe. I mean, all the, the per-year price points are kind of similar, but for Will Barton to kind of just sniff $14 million annually per year in, in this market over four years when the rest of these guys were basically signing one-year contracts or in Bradley's case, a quasi one-year contracts because of that partial guarantee. Uh, good for him. Uh, the Nuggets kind of, they spent time and money building goodwill with their own players. They gave Jokic a near max deal as ESPN Zach Lowe reported. It's it's not quite the max because there are these built-in incentives. And, and Barton was, was really, really good last year. Uh, he averaged over 15 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, a steal, has shot 37% from three over each of the past two seasons. Denver played him a bunch at point guard last year. In this market, though, I am, frankly, a little surprised that he was able to have the leverage necessary or that the Nuggets had the faith in him, especially when they're looking at the tax, to not try and squeeze him harder than they did. Yeah, that's a good one. I hadn't uh, really considered him at all, but as soon as you said his name, I thought, yeah, that's a good call. He's uh, We've talked about him a decent amount over the past season, and I've... Uh, He's grown on me. That's for sure. There was, <laughs> I watched the Nuggets a lot. That's my, my local market team. Um, so I, I've tuned into them a lot, especially over the last two or three years, just because I love watching Jokic play. And there were so many possessions over the last couple of years where he just kind of seemed to hijack them. Um, and especially some, some late game, game critical possessions. And I, I think I was, whether fairly or not, holding that against him. But over the course of the last season, I started to see why he is valuable to that team. Uh, you can't you can't get every single bucket off of a Nikola Jokic <laughs> assist as much as as much as I would love to see that. There are times when you need other creators out there, and I think that's what makes that offense so dangerous. Is because they do run most of their stuff through Jokic, but when they have to, they they have multiple guys who can 
break you down in isolation like Will Barton and Jamal Murray. So his his value became more and more clear to me as it went on. But he he's obviously a clear winner, and I think that was a great comparison you made to those other contracts as well. Uh, he he certainly came out of this better than a lot of other wings did. Um, all right, I'm going to do a loser now. <laughs> I feel bad saying it. Um, <laughs> a free agency loser this summer is for me is Jabari Parker. Oh, Four sure. years ago, the debate, <laughs> the Wiggins-Parker debate, there were so many comparisons that this is the next LeBron James-Carmelo Anthony draft. And neither one of those guys has lived up to that billing, obviously. But it's it's been a really tough few years for Jabari Parker. He's had two ACL injuries, which is obviously no fault of his own. He He never quite figured out his role. Last season, I'm not sure how comfortable he was coming off the bench. I mean, he even he even said as much during the playoffs. And now here we are, almost two weeks into free agency, and the number two pick from the 2014 draft, a guy who I think most people forecasted as a future star, uh, you know, multi-time All Star. He doesn't have an offer yet from anywhere, and it's it's hard to see him getting very much at this point and all the cap space is gone um atlanta makes a little bit of sense to me but i don't i just don't think they're in that market i think they'd probably rather take on some dead money from another team uh in addition to some picks than than use their cap space on jabari parker so it's it's been a really tough couple of years for him and it's really unfortunate because i feel like he was just starting to turn a corner in that 2016-17 season before he tore his ACL for the second time for the first year in his or for yeah the first year in his career he had an above average box plus minus uh the only players from 2016-17 who matched his averages for points rebounds and assists per game were Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, DeMarcus Cousins, LeBron James, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin. I mean these are all all-stars. He was he was starting to reach a point where, where you could see the potential coming through. And then he did the second ACL and it's been, it's just been a tough ride for him since then this season, his per 36 numbers are actually really close to what he was doing last season, but it was understandable that the bucks didn't want to play him with Giannis because they were just, we, we've been through these numbers before on the podcast. They weren't good when those two play together this season. And, and now they're, they've given, their free agent deals this summer to Brooke Lopez and Ersan Ir- Silva. So it's getting harder and harder to see him going back to Milwaukee. I-, I have no idea where he ends up at this point. Yeah, I'm with you there. Even if he ends up back in Milwaukee, it's not going to be on this rich deal because they've hard capped themselves and they only have so much room under the apron now to re-sign him. The safe, I mean, even if he gets $15 million a year, that's obviously a win, but they don't even have the leverage to give him that unless it's a super short-term contract because no other team out there is going to... Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only.
throw an offer sheet his way. No. I, I mean, who else has cap space besides Atlanta and Sacramento? I feel like Sacramento is his last chance. And Chicago can will have cap space too, even with Levine. Oh, that's true. The, and Chicago was rumored a few weeks ago, but it's, I mean, I'd be surprised. It doesn't make sense. You have Wendell Carter and Laurie Markin, and you yeah. shouldn't be signing another, like, four four guy. And I know people think Jabari Parker can play small forward. He can't play small forward. He just No, he's can't. one of the only guys in the league that I think is, like, a one-position player. Right. A loser for me was probably off the beaten path a little bit here, the Charlotte Hornets. They went to great lengths once again to avoid the tax this year, which, fine, but you ended up, two things that really stood out is you ended up trading Dwight Howard to save almost as much money as you could have gotten back from him in a buyout, per the reports from what the Nets were able to get him at. I think it was a difference of under $3 million. And okay, now you have these four second round picks is the result of all your trading, but you then put yourself in a position to where you acquired Bismack Biombo as a value play. Not not as a like this strategic move, as a value player. He was making more than Timothy Mozgov. And you you acquired him so that he could help your team. He's a better fit and you're trying to hedge against Cody Zeller's injury. You don't know what Willie who Willie Hernan Gomez is. Frank Kaminsky, frankly, isn't that good. And I guess you're, it, it's too radical to play Marvin Williams at the five, even though it's not. I don't understand what they were doing. And this makes it, to me, even less likely that they're going to embrace a rebuild. And that's a loss for them unto itself. You, Kemba Walker's fantastic. You shouldn't want any part of his next deal. Uh, it's just he's he's going to be a guy who should be able to get even if it's a three-year deal close to the max, a four-year deal close to the max, he's going to be 29 when he enters free agency next year. That's going to be a problem. And the Eastern Conference's wide wide open power structure has betrayed their timeline in the sense that the Hornets are probably talking themselves into chasing a playoff berth because they, the Pistons, try to think of another team that would be in this class, maybe even the Nets at this point, but... The Pistons and Hornets stand out as two teams that can easily talk themselves into trying to get into the playoff picture just because Cleveland is leaving it and everything else is just so mashed together. The Knicks aren't going to be a playoff team. The Bulls aren't there yet. The Magic and Hawks really aren't there yet. And that's dangerous because you need to think more about the long term. And this team is not set up to have cap space until 2020 at the earliest at this point. And it'll be even tricky then because you'll have a year left of Batum. Kemba Walker could be on a near max. You're going to, by that point, start talking about raises for uh, Malik Monk. Let's not forget that they have Jeremy Lamb this year. Cody Zeller will still be on the books by then. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist will be a free agent next summer. Is he a guy that you just let walk? Uh, excuse me. He'll, yeah, he'll, he'll probably pick up his player options. So he'll be a free agent in 2020. Is he someone you just let walk? Their situation is bad, and to me, while they were able to avoid the tax, it only got even worse. And I, I maybe the familiarity between James Borrego and Tony Parker will help, but Parker's low-key one of the worst teammates of, of all time when you look at some <laughs> of the stuff he's done, and I'm not sure how much he helps this team as a veteran mentor, even just as a backup point guard behind Kemba. Yeah, he's been bad 
on the court for a couple of years. And, and like you said, he hasn't been great off the court either. My only thing to add to that, um, the Hornets added negative, negative three and a half uh, wins above replacement. And they lost 1.7 for a difference of minus 5.2. The only team that lost more in total was the Cavaliers, who lost LeBron James, obviously. Um, And nobody added a worse amount. That minus 3.5 that they added between Parker, Mozgov, Biombo, and their rookies is the worst by far. Now, do you take Mozgov's out of there, though, since he's no longer on the team? Oh, shoot. I should have done that, actually. Good call. But that they're still going to have the worst, um, and, and by a pretty comfortable margin. Shout out, Charlotte. That, <laughs> that drops them to minus 2.8, taking Mozgov out of there. Uh, and the next worst is minus 1.7. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. it's it was not a, not a great offseason for them. I, I totally agree with you. Um, so I'm going to jump back to winners. And I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with the Bucks for a little bit. I'll be a little bit quicker on this one, but Ersan Ilyasova <laughs> is one of my winners just because I, I, that you asked me about deals that surprised me earlier. That was one that surprised me a little bit too. Three years, 21 million. I, I didn't really expect that length or dollar amount for him. And he, <laughs> right now it seems like he kind of took, Jabari Parker's spot on that team, and he's now 31 years old. Um, been in the league since 2006-07 was his first season in the league. He played a couple years overseas after that, but he's been around for a long time. Um, and I think he's still a really good player, but I just I didn't see that deal coming. That that was one that certainly shocked me. So good for him. Um, that was that was one of my clear winners. The so my my clear I agree with you by the way I can especially given how quick they signed him I did not see him getting that type of contract. Yeah, I was shocked. A winner for me, and it's a by default winner, but I think it's it's a pretty big deal. The Boston Celtics, all they've done is re-sign Aaron Baines thus far, but. If we look at the context of this offseason, it really could not have folded, unfolded any better for them short of the Spurs trying to sell super low on Kawhi Leonard. LeBron James hasn't just put the Cavaliers into this long-term rebuild. He's left the East altogether. The Raptors have neither cut salary nor deepened the roster. The Bucks, even though I like the Lopez signings and Ilyasova's a good fit, their biggest splash remains the addition of Mike Budenholzer, an admirable hire, but he's not, I I don't know that he's this miracle worker. I think he's a good coach for them. I don't think he is their Steve Kerr, mostly because the, the the roster probably has a quantum size leap in it, but nothing that would really shake the Celtics. Dwight Howard and Austin Rivers do not, and I repeat, do not make the Washington (laughs) Wizards more than a tangential concern. The Pacers have leveled up, but as we talked about with their defense, and, and some of the chances they're taking on McDermott a little bit and the the weird, I don't even want to say logjam in the front court because there is minutes to go around, but you do have a lot of guys who should probably be spending most of their time uh, at, at the four, and there are still some awkward fits there. They're good, but they're, they're not going to chase Boston. It's just not going to happen. And on top of all that, even the Sixers, who I think they're not really – 
a a winner because they didn't get that big star, but they they've had a good off season, I think, as far as contingencies go. They're still below the Celtics. Again, they didn't get that A lister and the leaps you get from Embiid, Simmons, Saric, and a fully operational faults only means so much when you're going up against a Celtics team that won 55 games and is preparing to get back two top 20 players. And the final thing for Boston, and this is more probably under the radar, Marcus Smart has zero leverage in restricted free agency. And while Danny Ainge said that the Celtics are going into the tax next year, if Smart kind of just signs his qualifying offer, Boston has a clear path to being under the luxury tax this year. And that's huge when you look at the deals they're eventually going to need to give out to Kyrie Irving. Um, Al Horford could be a free agent next year. You have to start worrying about extensions and restricted free agent deals for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown this summer as they just get deeper into their rookie scales. Jalen Brown will be extension eligible this summer and then Tatum the following one. Gordon Hayward's free agency all of a sudden isn't too far off. He's going to have a player option after two seasons. Terry Rozier next year. Marcus Smart, if he does sign his qualifying offer. They've had a great offseason by default, but a great offseason nonetheless. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. Um, My next one's going to be kind of weird. It's based on something that's not yet happened, uh, technically. But... If Carmelo, depending on how Carmelo Anthony uh, gets out of OKC, I think OKC will be a winner. And if he ends up on the Rockets, I think the Houston Rockets will be a loser. Um, (laughs) Just really quickly on OKC, they got Nerlens Noel for super cheap, and I think he's going to help them. I keep forgetting really good. And if they, I I just always forget that Nerlens Noel is now on Oklahoma City. That was a it was a very sort of low key signing, um, and I don't think he's as good as Stephen Adams, and he's not going to play a ton. But that's a really really good backup center, and especially if he's he's almost certainly going to be trying to prove his value over the course of the year, so he can cash in on a bigger deal next summer. So he should be motivated for them, and they could save a bundle of money depending on how they are able to jettison Carmelo Anthony. Um, and there's a few different ways that they can do it, but if they can figure out some way to do it without having to stretch him or, you know, buy him out and they just, it's just pure savings. That would be, that would make them a huge winner. And the reason I think him going to Houston would make them a loser. And this is something that we've talked about in text messages. Um, I just, I don't think he helps teams win basketball games and (laughs) Don't beat around the bush, Andy. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> the more I, I sort of look at his career in retrospect, um, he's he obviously he wasn't a bad player. He's one of the best scorers ever. Uh, he's made a bunch of all-star games. But I, I feel like the only team I can really look at and say he was a clear reason that they were winners was that Knicks year that they, they won like mid fifties with Mike Woodson. I think that was objectively his best season as a team basketball player. And other than that, I just, he hasn't been a huge plus in the win column to me. And now he's at a point where he still thinks he is and he's in his mid thirties and he's objectively hurting teams. I mean, he was, 
I, I think I've done this number a few times, but he was like bottom four or five in wins over replacement player last season. The only guys below him were like rookies um, on terrible teams. And if you replace Luke Mba Mute and Trevor Ariza with Carmelo Anthony, I, I think you're just begging to lose some some games if you're the Houston Rockets. And I kind of get the gamble. Maybe Maybe they think that Chris Paul can motivate him in a way that he hasn't really been motivated in a while and and maybe they think we need some more offense in a pinch although I don't that's kind of weird to me because they just got buckets whenever they wanted them with James Harden and Chris Paul and ISO so um obviously there's a little bit of an injury risk with Chris Paul so maybe you think that he'll help out for the 15 to 20 games that Chris Paul misses but I, I think in total subbing out those super switchy wings that they had last season that I think were super important to their their sort of Figuring it out on defense with Carmelo is going to be um, it's going to be an interesting experiment. I'll just leave it at that. I agree with everything you said on the Thunder, and I think it's you know people make fun of their tax bill even as they were going to keep Melo. Who who the hell cares? You're not the one paying it, and they were. <laughs> everyone thought Paul George was going to the Lakers this time last year, and they turned that into a longest term. That's a huge win. Him. That's yeah. like, that's a huge win. I even like the Jeremy Grant contract, probably a slight overpay, but they're going. They they'll win again by default if they get re- addition by subtraction if they get rid of Melo, and that's going to open up time to use Jeremy Grant in some more of those lineups if he ever develops a three point shot. That'll really help them. Help them. Patrick Patterson could be healthier, and there are some interesting combinations they could run with him as well. And those guys are they're not going to score as much as Carmelo Anthony. They might not even shoot as well from three, but they're just easier complementary fits because Melo, as you said, still fancies himself a star. I am not as low on the Rockets offseason as you, assuming they add Melo. I'd probably put them more under the to-be-determined umbrella just because they still scored without a Bamut and Trevor Reza. They still outscored opponents by 8.1 points per 100 possessions, and the defensive rating with both of them on the court was 107.5 compared to 108.4 without them, which really isn't that drastic of a drop-off. Yeah. And Trevor Reza's been on the offensive and defensive decline a little bit the past couple years. James Ennis probably helps you replace, between the two of them, one of those players, and and that's a pretty big deal. The the kind of issue I think for for the Rockets here is that their best lineups did include those guys, and if you look at how much time they played, uh, let's say um, PJ Tucker, Chris Paul, and James Harden played without Trevor Reza or Bob Moot on the floor, it it wasn't that much. It is per cleaning the glass, 121 possessions during which time the Rockets were outscored by 16.8 points per 100 possessions there. Kind of a small sample. If you take Tucker out of there and replace him with Clint Capella, Chris Paul, Harden, and Clint Capella, who is yet to resign with the Rockets, yeah. they only played 85 possessions without both Ariza and Bamut. There will be obstacles to overcome when looking at how often they did not play without at least one of those guys on the court. And so I get the the concern there, 
But I tend to tilt more toward the point that you inadvertently made, or at least just acknowledged that playing beside Chris Paul will just make it easier for Carmelo Anthony to assume that secondary scorer role. And this team more than most seems more equipped to, to start Anthony, but then stagger his minutes so that he gets to run some bench heavy mobs. And we saw it with Chris Paul and James Harden last year. Um, Paul averaged 15.1 minutes per game without Harden and Harden averaged 21.9 minutes per game without Paul if Anthony immediately becomes the third option, Eric Gordon still averaged more than nine minutes of solo time per game last year. And he averaged under five minutes per game with both Harden and Paul in the lineup. There are things the Rockets can do. I think, and Oklahoma City tried to do this a little bit. If you use Mello as the role man in a pick and roll, that might help satisfy him in a way that being a standstill three-point shooter doesn't because he's moving. He didn't shoot well in those situations with Oklahoma City, but they struggled to create space. And the Rockets, they're gonna, they're always gonna have four shooters on the floor. They'll sometimes have five. The D'Antoni situation could be weird, but but again, I still think playing with Paul, um, playing with Harden as well, th- that's going to help. And both of them are more natural facilitators than Paul George, who's basically a secondary ball handler. He's spectacular, mm-hmm. but he's not someone you want running your offense. And then Russell Westbrook. People think I'm criticizing him when I've said it, said this because I, I have outlined it in the past. He's just this force of nature who passes almost because he, he has no other choice. The, the defense, he sends them into this state of chaos where they're collapsing or scrambling. It only makes sense for him to pass. He's not throwing these crafty dimes, using these ridiculous angles as often as a James Harden or, or a Chris Paul. And I think that makes Carmelo Anthony's job easier when you look at the potential transition. I think he could help them. I don't know. It won't do anything for their defense, and it's harder for them to cover up for him now when you lost both Ariza and Bamut. I I still think, particularly if you're going to get him at the minimum or whatever he's going to sign for after he leaves Oklahoma City, that it's a worthwhile gamble. Yeah, and I, as you were talking, I thought, and I thought this before too, that I, I kind of thought Olympic Mello would show up. We've all been waiting for him for years, and I thought last season was a chance for that to really happen. And it, it I don't think it did, obviously. Um, but Chris Paul is better than Russell Westbrook, and James Harden is much better than Paul George. So maybe maybe he just needs two of the greatest point guards in the world for us to finally see um, Olympic Mello. And if he goes to the Rockets, he'll have that, which is uh, – you know, certainly should help him a little bit. And I don't mean to overly defend him just because I I think a big part of his unimpressive career arc is the fact he's never been around the right talent. Most of that is on him because even when he's had the opportunity to be with the the right talent, he's fucked it up. You look at the way he forced himself to New York. Those are trade assets they could have used to trade for Chris Paul. And then you look at his 2014 free agency. He decided to go back to New York. He wants to get paid. That's fine. And so this is partly on him, but I do think in the right situation that he can still be a productive basketball player, given what he does and what he should be able to do. It just, again, has to be that perfect circumstance, which is a knock against him unto itself. I just, I have a little bit more hope for his kitchen sink value than, than you do at this point. 
that last Denver Nuggets team that he was on for a full season that he apparently wanted to get away from, um, that team had Kenyon Martin, who was still pretty good at that point. Nene Hilario that year uh, was very good. Chauncey Billups was still really good at that point. Um, Chris Anderson was was pretty good that season. Mello was third on that team in wins over replacement player that year. But uh, to your point, he's. I think a lot of the time his issue with the talent around him was his issue and, and not the rest of the roster. Um, so I agree with that point you made. I think the last one was mine. So we're back to you to pick a winner or a loser. This was a loser, right? So I'm going to, or did you do a winner and a loser? You said, okay. I, I combined them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't combine them because this team is a clear loser to me, Minnesota. <laughs> Hard capping themselves for Anthony Tolliver, a good player who doesn't even kind of fill a need for them when you see that Bielitsa ended up signing for less in Philadelphia. I, I thought that was a great get by Philly, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and again, that's part of Philly's, their offseason has been good as a contingency. They're, they're probably winners, but given the expectations they had, it's... It's almost deflating, but also not really. The Timberwolves needed wings this summer. They yeah. didn't have anything to work with other than the mid-level. And you went out and you signed Derrick Rose, which, whatever. Um, and you use you hard cap yourself for Anthony Tolliver. This was like a very Stan Van Gundy Detroit Pistons offseason for them. I don't understand what they're doing. And then you have reports that Jimmy Butler basically hates everyone because now he doesn't like Wiggins or Carl Anthony Towns. The one thing he's done right is per the athletic, or not he, but the Timberwolves have done right per the athletic is that they're in max extension talks with Carl Anthony Towns. And he is the one player that must transcend everyone, both on the court and inside the organization. You get rid of Butler, Wiggins, Tibbs, the ownership, the name (laughs) Minnesota Timberwolves before you get rid of Carl Anthony Towns. That's just that's where I'm yeah. at, and I, their offseason was very disappointing because you look at some of these deals that have been signed by these wings. Where were they on the James Ennis sweepstakes? I'm not saying he would have went to Minnesota for the minimum, but that's a guy. If you're Minnesota, you're looking at your payroll and what you need. That's where your mid level exception should be going. Part of it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, I said Jabari Parker was one of the only players in the league who's like a one position guy. Anthony Tolliver might be pretty close to that too. And Nemanja Bialica is a four as well, but I think you could get away with playing him at the three a little bit in a pinch. So that's the thing too, is that Bielita should not be at the three, but you can at least yeah, you a can disaster do it for scenario, a talk yourself into it. You can't do that with exactly. Tolliver. No. And now, <laughs> and this just invalidates the Gorgie Jang signing even more. Yeah. Because, and, and I actually like Jang, but why did you give him that extension? If this is what you were going to, you, you give all this money to Taj Gibson and then the first chance you get to where playing time could have opened for him because Bielitsa isn't there, you then just sign someone who can only basically play power forward yeah. and maybe some center. Yeah. Maybe they're just banking on Josh Akogi and uh, Kitta Bates' job. Um, but that's that's a lot to ask of rookies. I, I'm with you. They totally need I'm wins. I'm very interested and they to see didn't... what Bates' job turns into, though. I thought that was a good pickup. Yeah, he was. He went a lot later than I thought he would. So I think that was a good pick. And I'm, I'm 
semi-high on Josh Okogie as well. He's a really great athlete, and I think he has a chance to be a pretty dang good defender. But, again, they're rookies, and you just <laughs> you just don't know what they are yet. So they may have to play a lot of minutes because, like you laid out, they just don't have well, very many wings. we're talking about Tibbs, so he'll probably put Carl yeah. Anthony Towns at small forward. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, I don't even know if I should be picking a winner or a loser at this point. I guess I'm I could, going. I guess I could pick a winner because you went dual. Okay, yeah, go for it. Um, I don't know why I closed out my list for some reason. That was that was not. Oh, here, oh, I my winner. <laughs> this is going to be like kind of awkward, I guess. My winner is the Chicago Bulls. And they're a small winner because they had to match that Zach Levine deal, but they didn't go out there and try and set his market. They matched an offer, and they haven't offered any other stupid contracts yet, which kind of coalesces into a loser for me, which is the Kings. I don't think they made that Zach Levine offer with the intention of ruining Chicago's cap sheet because the way they structured it with all those upfront payouts and no options suggested that they really wanted Zach Levine. And that just proves to me that the thinking there hasn't changed. They didn't want to draft Doncic because they didn't want to take the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hand. So their solution was to offer $78 million to Zach Levine. And for Chicago, they, they could have very easily been a loser. And I'm not saying this deal will look good. I don't, at this price point, you really couldn't let Levine walk for nothing after uh, making him one of the key components of the Jimmy Butler trade. And also you have injury protections in there now that you didn't have in your initial offer, apparently, according to, I think it was Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune. They, they're almost winners in spite of themselves, but I'm I'm actually impressed that they also haven't, that they didn't go after Jabari Parker, that they didn't give money to Rodney Hood. And when you look at front offices who needed to get out of their own way, I think the Bulls did so more than the Kings. So now I just went dual, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, and and Chicago probably won't be good for two or three years anyway. So I I don't I don't really have a problem with them matching on Zach Levine either. I probably wouldn't have had a problem with them passing <laughs> on it as well, but I I get either side of that argument. And like you said, they've they've maintained flexibility for the most part going forward even with the Zach Levine deal um I'm gonna pick a loser and this team is actually fourth in my total wins above replacement added this season but those numbers obviously don't account for what I think might happen to the chemistry on this team and I think adding Dwight Howard to the Washington Wizards is just a powder keg situation um they thought there was issues between john wall and marcin gortat and obviously there were i think there's the potential for stuff every bit as bad or worse with dwight howard there especially if he continues to to want to command post-ups game after game after game um that's gonna wear on that offense i don't really austin rivers is not really the punchline that he used to be, I still don't think he's like a clear plus in most situations. So I, that, that deal wasn't a home run to me either. I guess it got Gortat out of there. Um, and there was obviously some friction with him. Jeff Green, I don't think, <laughs> does a whole <laughs> Losing lot. Losing Mike Scott is going to be big for them. Yeah, they lost Mike Scott. They lost Gortat. That's, that's a lot of minutes up front. Um, so statistically, 
they they had a pretty good offseason, like I laid out at the top. But I'm just not sure all these pieces are going to fit together uh, seamlessly. And you had to use the taxpayers mid-level on Dwight Howard, which is just, it's not a situation yeah. I want to be in. No. I have another loser too, and it's an obvious one. It falls in the Warriors-Lakers of the winners circle. The Cavaliers, and I'm only mentioning them because yeah. I'm now not convinced that they're that they're going to blow this up, and that's what they need to do. I could see yeah. Dan Gilbert and co. talking themselves into, let's run it back with Kevin Love and George Hill and, and Colin Sexton and see if we can make a eight-seed playoff push. And if that happens, the Cavaliers are even bigger losers than they were at the start of free agency, which is saying something because they lost LeBron James, and that should be yeah. rock bottom. Yeah. Um, as soon as they lost LeBron, I thought they have to blow it up, but it, it does look like they're pretty committed to I think as, as weak as the East is, they could probably finish around fourth or fifth, but it's just it's not worth it at this point. So I, I agree with you there. Um, I have some I have some rapid fire losers, but I'll save those for later. I, I I'm looking to see if I can come up with one more winner. Oh, I've got I actually, I actually think the Mavericks are a winner. And it has, um, this is beyond free agency. I just, adding Luka Doncic to me was just, and, and maybe this will blow up in my face and they won't look as good as I think they will in six months. But uh, I, I do think they probably should have gotten DeAndre Jordan for more than one year. They could have. That's another guy who's going to be back on the market next summer. But. If they're totally healthy and Doncic is as good as I think he can be, and I, I think his rookie year, um, I'd be surprised if he wasn't better than Bogdan Bogdanovich was for the Kings, which some people might scoff at that. But he was really good for Sacramento last year. And I think Luka Doncic could have like a Joe Ingles-level impact as a rookie. Um, and if Dennis Smith takes a leap, I think that's a team that could finish as high as like eighth or ninth in the West, which again, that might look insane <laughs> in six months. But I think after years and years and years of trying to be this big time free agent player, uh, the Mavericks finally embraced the tank and rebuilding the way that I think most teams uh, should rebuild. And they, they, they did it through the draft and then they supplemented it with a good free agent signing in DeAndre Jordan. And I think they are set up to be a better team than they were last year. They're with the Rockets there and the, and the Suns for me, they're like the TBD teams just because yeah. I'm interested to see what type of opportunity Doncic gets alongside Dennis Smith, Jr. Harrison Barnes kind of factors in there as well. And I really want to see what the defense is going to look like overall, because DeAndre Jordan's always been a little bit overrated on that end. And he's going to be 30 when next season tips off. And his athletic peak I think, is behind him. Yeah. I, I I feel fairly confident that he'll be a bigger plus defensively than like Maxi Kleber and Dirk Nowitzki, though. So Wow. <laughs> and the other thing about Doncic is Carlisle has he's relied on multiple playmakers in his lineups for the last two or three years. And he even played Devin Harris at the three last year. So I think I think even with Dennis Smith in the lineup, Luka Doncic should have plenty of opportunities to create. That's that's a team that's going to be a league pass uh, must-see for me. A winner for me, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets. I like the Ed Davis deal. They needed mm-hmm. a backup behind Jared Allen, and they're done with the Julia Okafor 
experiment. He would be a rapid fire loser for me, by yep. the way, Julio yep. Okafor. Um, do you think he's in the NBA next year? I don't. And I, I tweeted that two or three days ago. I even, I even might've put that out there before free agency even started. That's a tough, sad situation. Um, from the number three pick who averaged 17 or 18 points a game as a rookie to out of the league three years later would be pretty crazy, but that's, that's what it looks like is going to happen. Um, but yeah, the Nets, I like the Ed Davis deal. We have to turn this into a Joe Harris appreciation podcast. Yeah, of course. The Nets are now set up if they want to renounce cap holds, like the ones for D'Angelo Russell next year, restricted free agency, they can have two max contract slots open, which is just massive. But they can also, while carrying holds for everybody, still have max money for one guy. With Kyrie Irving entering free agency, I know a lot of people have talked about the Knicks and Kevin Durant, but if he wants to go to New York, Brooklyn makes far more sense than the Knicks right now. Unless Kevin Knox really pops and you're confident Kristaps Porzingis is going to be fine. And Kevin Knox looks great, by the way. I told you, I don't feel bad about my yeah. reaction to the draft. I, I think I told you I was decidedly indifferent about that pick. I Yeah, somebody asked me about him on Twitter yesterday and I thought pre-draft, I don't, I didn't really have strong feelings one way or the other, which means that I was probably wrong about him because he looks pretty dang good. Um <laughs> Did you see the tweet? I was actually at the wedding, sober, mind you, because I, I don't I don't drink anymore. And I, there was the highlight of him dunking, and I said, oh, he, Kevin Knox is basically Giannis and LeBron, but with shades of Paul George and Anthony Davis, but also a tinge of – I don't even know who I said after that. Um, and people took it seriously. So they were saying, Knicks fans are out of control. Did you even watch a game of him in college? And other people were like – you know, I actually see Paul George and Giannis in him. Like we're turning it. It was just a disaster. Do not ever underestimate Twitter's ability to take jokes seriously. Good for the Knicks if they found a, a great pickup in Knox um, and Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, he looks good. Pretty good. Uh, they haven't. Yeah. They might be winners in free agency just because they haven't given out any stupid deals. But this is more about the Nets. But I am going to use the Knicks to prop them up next year. The Knicks, their cap situation isn't all that great. They can stretch Noah. That still doesn't give them max room. They can wave Lance Thomas. That's still not going to give them max room. They can renounce everybody else. That probably still won't give them max room, depending on where their draft pick ends up. And so you're looking at a situation where they definitely need to get rid of Courtney Lee, essentially, to clear out max money, which isn't the end of the world. But if you're trying to sign a max superstar, Courtney Lee is probably a guy you want on your team. And it just reinforces how horrific the Joakim Noah contract is because even if you stretch him over three years, you're still on the hook for more than the taxpayers mid-level for those three seasons. And then the Tim Hardaway Jr. deal was equally bad. And in some way, it wasn't more inexplicable because he was younger, but they gave him 2016 money or his contract was a 2016 reaction in 2017. And that's a problem. But the Nets literally are just going to wake up into Max contract room next year and they could have a top draft pick at that point too because i don't think any of the moves they've made have made them this real threat in the east you would have to get leaps from d'angelo russell and spencer dimwitty and 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 uh ronda hollis jefferson and karis levert maybe you do but they're they're interesting now that they, they stayed lean and i think they're going to be another fun team to watch to be able to get off of the timothy mozgov deal without giving up a first round pick incredible yeah. Think about what it took for them to take on Timothy Mozgov. Yeah. 
Sean Marks has been really good. I know that he's gotten a lot of pats on the back from the media over the last few years that he's been in Brooklyn, but he deserves it. Um, he's, he's made some very shrewd, smart moves. You're just, I, I see you trying to soften the blow, thinking that the Knicks are not going to get Kevin Durant next summer. But I'd just like to assure you that you guys are getting the Nick, or uh, you are getting Kevin Durant. I mean, they have a better chance of doing it in 2020, maybe. If he Because I feel like he, why wouldn't he want to play in the Warriors' new arena, is one of my other things. But Oh, yeah. That's I need to write point. a think piece on this about how, okay, the Knicks have not, they can say they want Kevin Durant, but they haven't exactly planned their books around signing <laughs> someone like that. Which is why I'm not He's, giving them a metaphorical pat on the back for only signing Mario Hazonia to that, that one-year deal. He's getting his three-peat with the Warriors uh, this summer, and then he's going to do a four-peat with the Knicks. Hey, you're if you want to be immortalized, then the Knicks' championship drought. That I will say. Yeah, for sure. Um, you just mentioned Hazonia. He was, he was actually a winner for me just because I, I, I still can't get over the fact that Orlando turned down his option, and then he went on to have the best <laughs> season of his career and turned it into a deal with uh, a big market team like the Knicks, I think he was a winner. Um, I'm going to do some rapid-fire losers, unless you have any other things that you wanted to spend a lot of time on. I just have one loser, but I have a feeling he's going to be on your rapid-fire one. Okay. Isaiah Thomas. Um, basically, one year ago, almost to the day, it was on July 9th when this news story came out, the Brinks truck <laughs> comment, and now I, he's not getting any more than the minimum. Anywhere there was rumors of him possibly going to the Magic, which made some sense to me. But they obviously took themselves out of that, or I think they took themselves out of that market when they got Jerry and Grant. Um, so he's he's one. Um, Marcus Smart, maybe I just he was a loser for me because I don't. Where is his money? He hasn't even. It had depends much contact on it with the Celtics. Yeah, I was gonna say if he winds up back with the Celtics for a decent amount, then I he'd he'd be taken off my list. But right now he's one of these rapid fire uh, losers. Rodney Hood is a big one. He's either his, not going to get paid, be stuck in Cleveland, or both. That's a loser. Yeah, and his his value just cratered over the course of the year, especially after the trade. Can you say restricted um, free agents in general, mostly with the exception of Gordon and Levine? Because Travion Graham, yeah, who else? He, but I was going to say, who else got anything? Yeah, so just to have all those guys out there, um, restricted free agents for the most part, the market has not been kind to them. There is still a bunch of guys who played like a decent amount of minutes last year <clears throat> who have not been signed. Jaleel Okafor was one for me, and we already talked about him. Do you think he'll be in the NBA next season? I know I already answered, but... Probably... Uh, I don't know. He should sign with the Spurs. They could just have that backup center, but maybe they don't want him. Um, I have no idea. Here's a few other players who are unsigned, and I just don't see where they go, um, and have been from starters to rotation players at different times in their career. Uh, Wayne Ellington... You oh, already yeah. mentioned him. Yeah, um, he's a loser unless he gets a nice deal from the Heat. Just yeah. as that 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 they've had worked out for a while in a wink wink way. Greg Monroe is unsigned. I don't know who's. Uh, is he going to get more than the minimum anywhere? Um, Michael Beasley could be a guy who doesn't even play in oh, the he'll, NBA he'll this end up season. Somewhere. I'm not worried about him. He's never going to play for more than the minimum, but. Um. 
Brandon Wright, unsigned. Alex Len, unsigned. Uh, I would say Nick Young, but Lucas Nogueira, unsigned. Uh, Noah Vonley, Pat McCaw, Devin Harris. There's there's just a ton of rotation guys still on the market who I Shabazz Muhammad might not even be in the NBA next year. Um, so Quincy AC unsigned. Like <laughs> I, there aren't many teams left that need to do anything. So this this free agent market has been very interesting, and I think there's a lot of guys that just got squeezed out. Uh, by the fact that there just there weren't very many spots available this year. What do you? Oh, two quick questions. Uh, where do you think Isaiah Thomas is going to end up? I have no idea at this point. Honestly, the only team that made that much sense to me was Orlando. And as soon as they made that trade, I just thought they didn't I, I don't make that know much sense because they're rebuilding and he's twenty nine, trying to play for his next contract. It made sense. It made sense for him. Yeah. I, oh, for him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it made sense for the Magic. I, I agree with you there. Golden um, State right now, calling it Isaiah Thomas. To the for Warriors. Isaiah Thomas? Yeah. What about Jamal Crawford? He's a guy you didn't mention. He is someone I think a lot of people thought was, was going to end up with the Warriors. Yeah, that's why I Did thought not. about him. Kind of surprised he didn't end up with the Lakers either. Next to next to Braun, they've always wanted to play a bit. I'm calling Isaiah I Thomas to the Warriors, calling my shot. Crawford can still sign for the minimum with the Lakers, right? Yeah. The... The team, this is, and this is the other question I want to ask you. We didn't talk about them. I'm curious, what did you think about the Memphis Grizzlies offseason? Both of us were advocates of them blowing it up. They kind of did the exact opposite. I'm not about to give them a thumbs up for not trading the number four pick, but it does also look like they picked up Kyle Anderson from the Spurs. Uh, you get Jaron Jackson Jr., who looked pretty good to fantastic, fantastic during summer league. His jump shot, it seems like it's there. A lot of people were worried his percentage would carry over. It looked like it looks like that it could. He should be able to play next to Marcus All. So I'm I'm kind of I'm higher on their offseason. I'm not calling them a winner. It's a two TBD situation. Uh they did lose Tyreek Evans after not trading him. That is mm-hmm. that That's is a bad. catastrophe, yeah. I'm I still find myself the fact that they're a TBD in my book is 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 actually impressive on their part. Yeah, I think they did pretty well. Um, their total wins above replacement that they added was 1.1. They lost 3.1 just with Evans, but they, they added 4.2 with their rookies and Kyle Anderson and Omri Caspi. And I think Kyle Anderson was one of the best value signings of the summer. I think I, I think he does. The Spurs didn't match. Yeah, when when I when I first saw that contract, I thought for sure they'd match. And then it was shortly after that that the reports started coming out that said they they might not match this and i thought and i i almost and i did have them on my list we just didn't talk about them spurs would probably be a loser for me i don't really get what they're doing either and obviously they'll be a clear loser yeah i'm waiting to see how the back. Kawhi situation turns out because if they get yeah, a haul for him, don't at all. yeah I, I, a lot depends on him obviously so that's another tbd team um but as a whole i i'm, I'm with you i like what the Grizzlies did. I think Kyle Anderson is is very good. Jaron Jackson was uh, he was in my top three for for this uh, draft class, and I think a, a big man rotation of Anderson, um, Jaron Jackson, and Marcus All is is really good one. And if Mike Conley's healthy, that's another team that could 
push for, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth in the West. I, I think they did very well. Now I have a question for you. Um, do you think any teams that did not make the playoffs last year, with the exception of the Lakers, uh, did enough in free agency to now be in the conversation? That's a tough question. The the Nuggets are kind of default there. Oh, I sh- yeah, I could have, I could have exempted them as well, actually. But that's a good call. If you're talking about a team that finished, let's say, tenth or lower, other than the Lakers, I don't, I don't really see it. I don't really see any surprise waiting. Maybe Dallas. That's um, the only one I can. I'm not Dallas. even sold on Memphis just because. Oh, this will be a fun, really quick question, but I'm not even sold on Memphis. It seems like they're going to use Kyle Anderson a bunch at the three, which is going to be very tough if he's not shooting threes. Yeah, he should play more four, but yeah. That's with, did you sign him at the mid-level to be your third big, essentially? Maybe they're not going to play Jaron Jackson as much, but Anderson fits at the four. If you play Jackson or Gasol at the five, that, that's interesting. Who? Mm-hmm. I think these are the two best bets. Dallas and Memphis, who and maybe Phoenix, right. but I don't think I don't think Phoenix is going to be in the playoff. They'll be fun, but they're not going to be in the playoff conversation. They're still too reliant on a few in, important players. Although uh, El, Elia Kobo, I'm, I'm high on. I think he's going to be a good player. Memphis or Dallas, who has more wins next season? Uh, so much of it depends on whether or not that's Coleman not an answer. Stay healthy. But if those two are healthy, it's going to be Memphis who wins more. The two, the couple teams that I think could be playoff contenders, but I don't, I don't know if it has anything to do with what they did in free agency. In fact, I'll say it, it mostly doesn't. Is the Pistons and the Magic? I think they could push for a playoff spot. Um, the Magic, but is in interesting. terms, are interesting. I, I just think they'll be, I think they'll be better because of internal development. Um, You're just a Mobamba fan. <laughs> I kind of am, actually. The Bamba Gordon Isaac thing just doesn't do it for that's, me. I think they're going to run. I was going to say that's going to be really. It'll be really hard to figure out who should play of that. Uh, can big, you know, they have Vucevic too. There's there's all kinds of stuff they have to sort out with their big men, but I think they have a lot of talent. Um, in terms of teams that actually made themselves significantly better with free agency, like non playoff teams, it's probably the Mavericks and the Grizzlies, who you already identified. Who do you see dropping out of the Western Conference playoff picture this year? Yeah, this is a super interesting question too. This is some, it's Minnesota. Something I've tried the Spurs to. are if they have Kawhi, they're not dropping out. And even if they lose him, let's not forget that they won forty-seven games without him last year. I I think if they lose Kawhi, that's I feel fairly confident that they will drop out. Powell will be a year older. They don't have Kyle Anderson anymore. I'm um, still my prediction is still Kawhi to the Sixers, or he stays in San Antonio sticking to it it's that going to be minnesota or portland for me. yeah i think i've, I've uh, gone back and forth on portland i could see them falling out seth curry uh, signing though yeah i like that signing too minnesota will be on the fringe you already mentioned them uh, really it's like even teams that were really good last year like utah um i was waiting how long it was going to take for you to bring them up <laughs> utah new orleans even the thunder it, the West is going to be such a bloodbath again that it would be a little bit surprising if those teams I just made or just named missed the playoffs, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, there, once again, there's going to be like nine or ten teams I could 
conceivably see making the playoffs, and you're probably going to need high 40s, maybe even 50 wins to get in. So it's possible. The West, as always, will be fun. It's possible, and this is hysterical. It won't be like this. What team in the Western Conference right now 100% isn't trying to chase a playoff berth next season? Uh, uh, I guess there's been reports that Phoenix wants to win, but they're not going to be close. And Sacramento won't be close either. But I think both of them probably, like, I've heard reports on both that they want to win. Phoenix wants to win. The Kings are the only team to me that I think looks at themselves internally and says, we're not going for a playoff spot this year. Maybe that's giving them too much credit. Um, That's crazy to me to be able to say that. 14 teams then, and we'll even say 13. If you want to think that another team is going to slow play this, maybe the Clippers eventually get there off the Spurs trade quiet. You can account for that. But to say 13 teams can talk themselves into trying to make a playoff push is hysterical. Yeah. What do you think about the one to 16 playoff seating? It needs to happen now. It's just, it's, I, you saw this tweet. Now the, the warriors have since 2014, 2015, their projected starting lineup. The one that includes DeMarcus cousins has more total all NBA selections, 13 than the entire Eastern conference. 11. I did not see that actually. I don't think that's insane for the, for all current Eastern conference players. And yes, LeBron James helped drag that number down, but that's kind of the problem. Still. Yeah. That's ridiculous. The the, the real last question, since we went way over time here for Utah, are you their Their off season has been, I think it's been good. And Grayson Allen is already generating hype. That they didn't use their mid-level exception, it's it's impressive, but I look at their roster and I was telling you, I was like, I would love to see Kyle Korver get traded there, or I would love to see them sign Wayne Ellington, and now they just don't have the roster space to do yeah. it. That's the only thing that's disappointing, is I feel like they're banking, they seem to be banking more on the same core, putting them in a better position, and I think that's fine, because your best or second best player, well, actually, both of your, your two best players aren't even really in their prime yet. Rudy Gobert is probably firmly in his prime. Donovan Mitchell is going to be a sophomore. I just wish, and they'll be more active next year probably, but I just wish that we could. I could look at them and say, let me put Wayne Ellington on the Jazz, and then that would just soup them up like crazy. And maybe, maybe that makes me crazy by default. Yeah, I kind of expected them to do at least something like that, like a fringe type of a move, and, and maybe they would use an exception to do that. Um I wrote an article for SLC Donk last week that was basically LeBron fucked up by not choosing the Jazz. I saw that. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I should. I, I do need to write that. I need to write like the follow up to my LeBron needs to go <laughs> to the Jazz. Um, but I was basically just defending the stand pat approach that they took. Um, there's actually some pretty interesting numbers on roster continuity, and you know how many teams. Basically, I'll just sum it up by saying continuity is important for playoff teams and especially for championship winning teams. And I don't think Utah is a championship contender this season, obviously, but I get why Utah talked itself into just going with continuity. I think the Derek Favors contract was a good one just because it's non-guaranteed in the second year. So if they want to open up cap space and be a little bit more frisky next summer, they can do that. And maybe a player, we've, we've mentioned this a bunch on this podcast, but if they added Chris Middleton to this mix while Donovan Mitchell is still on the rise and Rudy Gobert is still in his prime. They could, they could really peak and become a very interesting team in two or three years, right? When, uh, conceivably the Warriors start to come off the mountain a little bit, if that'll ever happen. 
Um, I, I get people saying they should have done something because with, with everybody making so many moves, it's, it's like, if you're not making a move, you're either stagnant or you might even be regressing if you just stand still. But I, I get what they're doing with the continuity. That's my long way of saying that. <laughs> I'm with you there. I don't, I don't disagree with that, anything you said. And we both did kind of expect them to be inactive. I thought maybe they would just be more, they would be linked more to something splashier yeah. outside of the expected. Dante Exum's a winner of the offseason, by the way. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Three years, $33 million. That was more. I'm interested to see how that, turned, that deal turns out. I like Exum, and he was a beast defensively against James yeah. Harden in the playoffs. They're going to need him to make take a bunch of steps forward on offense, though, yeah. for that to be a good deal. He's, uh, he's within days of Grayson Allen in terms of age. Um, and this is definitely a... It's a pay for potential type of a contract. If he becomes what I think he can become, this could be a steal as early as, you know, the second year of the contract. Uh, but there's a chance that it just becomes uh, the Alec Burks contract has basically been dead money on the books for two or three years now. And there's a, there's a chance that happens with Dante Exum too. But I think they're also kind of setting themselves up for the future with uh, we treat our players, the guys that we already have here well. And, and maybe they're hoping that that I think word is already starting to spread around the league that this is an organization that is good to play for and they take care of their players. And so maybe they're just sort of trying to cultivate that a little bit more as well. Um, all right. Anything else? I, we, we hit quite a bit of free agency there. Do you think we missed anything? That we I hope not. We about? probably did, but I think this was as comprehensive as it's going to get. If we did, uh, make sure to hit us on Twitter. Dan Favalli is at D-A-N-F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. You can still go to nbamath.com slash shop and get 15% off uh, any items there with the promo code Benno, B-E-N-O. As Dan mentioned at the top of the podcast, make sure you've reviewed or rated the show, preferably both. We love uh, reading those reviews. Uh, like Dan said, it's still a little bit surreal to me sometimes to even read those. So thank you, those of you who have sent them in. And thank you to everyone who listens, especially shout out to Rob, who uh, was recently married. Congrats on that. And thank you for the question on how I'm doing. I'm doing well, just so you know. And until <laughs> next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Udri. And Kyle Anderson. Mirai is Japanese for the future. And in the future, your commute will be less expensive because now you can get a special lease on a Toyota Mirai. Powered by hydrogen, it emits only water. And Toyota will cover three years worth of your fuel costs up to $15,000. You'll also get three years no-cost scheduled maintenance, HOV lane access, and may be eligible for a $5,000 state rebate. The future sounds pretty good, huh? Get your special lease on a Mirai today. See San Francisco Toyota or click the banner for details. Toyota, let's go places.
Mirai is Japanese for the future, and in the future, your commute will be less expensive because now you can get a special lease on a Toyota Mirai. Powered by hydrogen, it emits only water, and Toyota will cover three years worth of your fuel costs up to fifteen thousand dollars. You'll also get three years no-cost scheduled maintenance, HOV lane access, and may be eligible for a five thousand dollars state rebate. The future sounds pretty good, huh? Get your special lease on a Mirai today. See San Francisco Toyota or click the banner for details. Toyota, let's go places. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns—legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history—relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary *The Kings*, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June sixth, only on Showtime.